0: Good morning, LCM. Today is September 8th, 2019. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: this is Eric Stevens. And this is Matthew Pirro. We are your in-flight leaders this morning. On behalf of Captain Yeshua and the entire cabin crew, welcome aboard LCM Airlines. You have embarked on flight Mark 1619, non-stop service from Sugar Land, Texas, directly to the throne of God.
2: Our flight time this morning will be approximately two hours and ten minutes, giving you ample time to receive revelation, repent, and be restored to sonship in the kingdom. We will be flying at an altitude classified as divine and at ground speed approaching light or 777 scriptures
1: per hour. At this time, We would like to remind you to make sure that your spiritual constitution and mental faculties are in their full and upright position. In the event of a sudden loss of sinful pressure, the Holy Ghost may move you to the altar. Please secure your infilling before attempting to help other passengers with theirs. For your safety, this flight is staffed
2: with spiritual marshals. They are conveniently located at undisclosed locations throughout the cabin. Should we encounter difficulties such as an emergency landing, this aircraft has also been fitted with one battle Jew, which will be deployed in the unlikely event of an emergency.
1: In the unlikely event that we experience turbulence during worship, on this airline we do not take our seats and lower our heads and kiss our salvation goodbye. The FAA, the Father Answers Administration, has approved the hands-raised, worshipful, victorious positioning system, and it will be activated for the duration of this flight.
2: On behalf of our cabin crew, we would like to thank you for what will be the best flight of your year. As a final note, please set your portable electronic devices to silent or airplane mode for the duration of your time with us. On behalf of LCM Spirit Filled Airlines, we would like to thank you for choosing the truth. Have an excellent flight.
1: Uh oh. Ladies and gentlemen, we are experiencing spiritual turbulence. And the captain has asked us to ensure that your gluteus maximus is correctly fastened to your chair for the duration of this flight. Should you find it necessary to move about the cabin, please be considerate of other passengers who are enjoying the flight. Multiple interruptions will result in divine altitude ejections.
2: At this time, we would also like to remind you, that the laboratories aboard this flight are equipped with smoke detectors. Any attempt to avoid the searing spiritual conviction accompanying our flight will be detected and announced for an eternity. Thank you for flying with LCM Spirit Airlines, your first choice in advancing the kingdom.
0: The title of today's sermon is All Aboard. Come on, say that with me. Say All Aboard. We have a slide here for you as we get going that explains what all aboard is, in case you're not familiar with the term. You'll see number one there says, get on, get on in. Look at underneath that, it says a warning to passengers that the train, car, airplane will start soon. The truth is, is this church has already started about 17 years ago, but we are at a stopping point today. We are at a point where people can gather, can get on, and get on the same direction that we're going. The amazing part about the phrase all aboard is it's both the call for people to come and join and it's the same call to say we are now all on board. Let's go at light speed for what God is calling us to do. We do want to tell you that today is going to be an international flight. We're going to take an extended look at the chronicles, the acts of LCM. Our flight path is going to take us from the origins of our church to today. And then it will clearly describe where we are going to go in the very near future.
3: <laughs> Bastards, cute. They laughed and thought we were joking about two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> our heavenly commander has given us a clear directive this morning. He set our course and we are on our journey. I want to read a few scriptures to you as we begin. First off, Psalm 19.1 says the heavens declare the glory of God Amen. and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. The fifth verse says, which is like a bridegroom coming from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. Saints, we have a course, a flight, a charter that we are going to run today, and we're going to go through it boldly like a champion and not stopping for anyone.
0: LCM is 17 years old. Think back to when you were 17. What did that (laughs) look like? Man, we are in the early stages of adulthood as a church, which is an interesting perspective for us to take. What you see around you has been 17 years of the making. And yet we're on the verge of a lifetime of success. When you're at 17, you're dreaming, you're hoping, you're planning of what the future will hold, that you're going to one day build a family. This is what it looks like to begin to build a family as a church, the one association of churches. It is a family that's being built, producing the generations. The very genesis of a thousand generations is here right in our midst. We have our destiny in mind, church. Our destination is secured, and we are determined that God himself will help us to achieve every bit of what he's called us to. You know, at 17 years, when you read books about the subject of churches, they say that we are now almost at the end of the life cycle of your average church.
3: Hmm. Come on now. This is LCM, isn't it? Are you an average church? Say LCM, LCM. we are LCM and we may be 17 years old, but we are itching to go to war, ready for any and every opportunity, fully formed, young, strong, dumb, and full of the word. And Pastor Wade is an amazing pastor. He puts up with us. He teaches us. He's patient with us. I want to let you in on a secret. There's a very specific reason Pastor Wade and I are sharing this message. I watched when Pastor Wade moved from Austin and came here, and a man who had been born again for years in the faith, spirit-filled, realized the gravity of what he had inherited and became the most dedicated student that I've ever seen. When he came here, he said, I want to know what made you who you are. So he took every book that we ever read and read it. He went through our sermons thousands and thousands of hours, committed teachings to memory. You know why? Because he wasn't willing to wait to figure it out. He wanted to become who we were.
0: Say you're looking at Judah Stevens. See, Judah's not just a son of Eric and Jennifer Stevens. Judah is a son of this house. He's a son of this ministry. He grew up here. He's almost like a Timothy here in our midst. When you read the Word of God and you see Paul speaking about Timothy, you should have an understanding in your own mind of what a Timothy figure is like, of what that means, of when Timothy speaks the affection that it engenders in your heart because you understand that he's lived it and he's seen it from the beginning. You know, the truth is, is that even before this church officially started, in the year 2000, Pastor Eric began to make the call that said, All aboard! Everyone who will come and join what this ministry is doing. Can you guys say
3: all aboard for me? (gasps)
0: Speaking of 2000, we're going
3: to work through a few sections with you and help give you an idea of what God was doing during year ranges in our church. 2000 is titled Born in Power and Clothed in Weakness, and you'll see why very shortly. Our about page testified to what our vision was formed by, and it was many convincing affirmations, visions, and prophecies that directed the starting and founding
0: of LCM. Joey, I think we have a slide for this if you'll put it on the screen for us. One of the founding thoughts you see there on the second point is changing one life at a time. That's where this church ministry started. From a poignantly powerful prayer that said, Lord, change me. That's what began this. A powerful move of God that we know that must focus on us changing one life at a time. Out of those precious lives that have been
3: changed, God spoke to us that out of the earth, out of the ground, he was going to draw precious metals. And that it was our job to take those precious metals that previously couldn't be seen and polish them and turn them into something beautiful. Has he been faithful to do that in your
0: lives, church? That we must work towards equipping each and every believer for their works of service, not about being self-entitled as a church to ask you to do something that benefits us, but rather we as a church benefiting you that you might fulfill your call in this world. Amen. Perform out there what you have practiced
3: in here. See, this has been an axiom inside of our church for a very long time. In fact, it's still on the back wall. The idea being that as a newly founded church with a few people in a garage, most of them are family, that what we were preaching, teaching, and reading in the word was never meant to stay in a pulpit or in a pew, that it was always meant to spread around the world.
0: Amen. You see our statement of faith there? We have an unusual statement of faith here at this church. It's actually on our website. You may not even know that it's there, but here's what our statement of faith says. We believe in the holy word of God as contained in the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's it. Amen. That's what our statement of faith is. You know, it makes people really, really uneasy to not have an elementary prescribed. And the truth is, it's an often plagiarized version of what we believe. To boil it down to a few points that you can nod your head to, that you can sign a little form on and then move on thinking that you have Everything that makes a statement of faith. At this church, we say it is the word of God as illuminated by the spirit of God. That is our statement of faith.
3: Pastor, you mean to tell me there's no cheat sheet? No (laughs) No cheat sheets being handed out today? No, sir. Maybe we're going to have to depend upon the power of God in this house. Amen. I want to tell you, long before we had a sanctuary filled with people, we were filled with the power of God. Inside of a living room, inside of a garage, the spirit and the word were moving. We were growing In spirit and in revelation at the same time. And what was clothed in weakness before all men to see, just a few people huddled around couches in a living room, was clothed with the holy power, and the proof of it is here.
0: Amen. And like any worth that's been birthed of heaven, we soon learned that we would be attacked, and attacked, and attacked, and badgered, and belittled. We had to constantly check our flight path against the pattern of Scripture, and we found ourselves rightly in line with the waypoints that God has always prescribed for true believers. In light of those attacks,
3: our next slide is 2003 to 2004. It's titled, Attacked, But Taking Our Stand. The first sermon that we want to draw to your mind is called "Attack from Without and Within. It's based out of Nehemiah 4.14. Says, after I looked these things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. See, Alcyon was birthed and baptized in fire, lies, slander, opposition. We had walls that were broken down in people's lives and in our lives, and yet there was a holy mandate, a king who sent us forth and said, go rebuild this city. Go restore those broken walls. Yes, they can live again. And he was breathing that inside of us. See, there were defections from family members, from people who should have stood with us, from other churches, other ministers that should have stood with us. And yet when God says that something will live, it will
0: live. Can I get an amen? The next sermon we want to talk to you about is the dreamer. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. The story of Joseph, the idea of cultivating a godly vision, of the idea, the principles of enduring the long road to see your dream fulfilled. Folks, this was in the end of 2003, beginning of 2004, was when this message came about. At the time... When you hear Pastor Eric preach this message, it sounds like he's preaching to a stadium full of people. But see, he had just enclosed a garage and the Lord told him to put 50 chairs in there. And the truth is, is they couldn't fill 50 chairs. They weren't even hardly filling the couches in their living room. It's true. But these things were birthed from difficult situations. That just like the story of Joseph, when you go through something difficult, you can trust that God will speak to you and give you a dream. He'll give you something that He determines to accomplish with your life. And this is what began our church, the desire to go after, at all costs, exactly what God puts in our hearts. You
3: no, know, there's a certain kind of confidence that comes from the Word and Spirit that cannot be given to any man based upon the size of their church, the number of butts in seats, or the type of truck or Escalade that they drive. One that is born from power in the Word of God. The message Isaac and Ishmael principles was preached. We were preaching about the need for Israel's salvation, the need to learn about Jewish roots, the need to study the culture of the word of God in that living room, in that garage. And how
0: true has that become today? The message memorial stones taken from Joshua 3 and 4 of Joshua crossing the Jordan River, reminding us to testify to God's victories in our lives, that memorials are always taken from flood stage. Yeah. See, we want memorials built in the in the ease and the comfort of our lives, but memorials are always taken from the flood stage and that God gives us strength for future vision.
3: Yeah, man, and we're olive trees. That flood stage is what we're made for. Those difficult, arid, hostile environments, just like the Jewish people, we are made to endure those conditions. In fact, we learned that we were prone to disease when things are easy. That message was called Olive Tree. It was out of David's life in Psalm 52, verse 8. You can see our resolve is deepening here.
0: The sermon entitled, Man, Land, and Plan. Now you Acts students should understand where this comes from. It was detailing the book of Genesis about the continuity of the word of God and the importance of the original design that God had through a man, through his family, to a specific land and a specific plan that he unveiled to all of mankind. Come on, you never know
3: what God is doing in you right now, what it will turn into. That message that he spoke to you, that thing that you saw in the word, when you were faithful, you have no idea what it will develop into. What were you doing in, in 2004? How is that message affecting your life today? Because at that moment, it just felt like it was a cool sermon that somebody noticed while they were reading and studying in the word and little more than sharing a personal word with a couple of friends in a small room. How has it affected your life, ex class students? Has somebody gone through those classes in this room? Yes. Then let me hear you like men who stand on the word of God. Our next sermon is show your love, preach it, speak it, demonstrate it more than a feeling, but action. We were standing on the idea of less talk and more walk. That it's more than just belief. We have to do something with our faith. Amen. Rather than letting what was born
0: from above diminish, we begin to rise up despite the adversity. Take a look at 2005. In this year, we began rising strength. At this point, the P-Ros are already here. Come on. Their family configuration. A little bit different than what it is now. But the very first sermon that we want to highlight to you is Brotherhood from First Samuel 14. That we were deepening our dependency. That The idea that non-blood related family becomes incredibly important because the family of God is important above all else. We began to speak about raising up the next generation
3: out of Luke 14, 28-30. This was Chloe Pirro's dedication. And our strength was rising. We realized that we had to raise up strong generations. And since that day, we've been preaching this message. When we take our jobs seriously, we are raising up soldiers that are added to the Lord's army.
0: The next sermon is Moabite gleanings. And again, like most of the revelations that we find throughout the sermons that we're going to highlight to you today, it came after great difficulty. This was one of the sermons immediately following Hurricane Katrina and what it was doing in our community. It went through the book of Ruth. And talked about our inclusion in the commonwealth of Israel as foreigners. That we were unifying with our Jewish brothers. And that's still the same message that we're, pre- we're preaching today. I told you a few weeks ago that Paul could
3: not be made a prisoner. I want to tell you that the message Joseph Storehouse highlights a very similar principle. No matter what you did to the man. You enslaved him. Put him in a hole. Beat him. Cast him out. You cannot steal his vision. Amen. You can steal his hope. You couldn't steal his godly vision. It could not be beaten out of him. In this message, we were learning to be preserved through trial by an enduring, unyielding, indestructible faith.
0: And rally around godly vision as a body and follow it. Amen. The message, anvil and hammer. That the church is an anvil that has worn out many a hammer. (laughs) Pastor Eric had just written the work entitled Law Dog. What a beautiful and insightful work that everyone in this room should read. If you haven't read it, or if you have read it and haven't read it in a while, you need to read it between now and the conference. And yet it was received with overwhelming opposition. But as a church body, we learned that we are made, that we made up our mind that we would wear out the enemy no matter what it takes.
3: Come on now, are there some anvils in this room? Yeah. We got a long way to go. We're not settling in already on me, are you? Are there some anvils in this room? Yeah. We must be spiritual anvils, not men who have a passionate moment and then fade out. Men who can wear out a hammer. I believe that absolutely the truth is that we have some serious spiritual anvils in this room. The proof is that you're still here, and those hammers are not. I'm looking at a few of you that I know have a passionate love for the Lord, and I'm waiting for it to be made steely strong, like a heavy kind of resolve that cannot be moved. Do you want that today? Then let's be ambles in the house of God that wear out hammer after hammer after hammer.
0: This was a time in our church where the miraculous was a part of our journey. Yeah. We were learned not to be looking to be routed around inclement weather or turbulence. Yeah. Rather, we were seeing the all surpassing power of God at work in every service. We were seeing his power at work. And yet we were learning that we had a lot to work on. We were led into a season where we had to fine tune our faith in 2006. Come on. Fine tuning our faith
3: first sermon we want to show you is three-stranded cord. See, we learned about brotherhood in the years past, that we must unite around the family of God, that your blood relations hold no supremacy over the blood of Christ. But here we were learning that it's more than just being a community, that we actually have to lock arms with men and women around us, that we're stronger like this than we are just as a crowd. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, this point is illustrated. Another teaching that we began to pick up, was from the Jewish people. There was bumper stickers that were going around in Israel. And we had some trips where people were traveling there. And they noticed that Christians were putting on stickers that said that uh, they had found Jesus, their personal Savior. And the Jewish community's response to this was, we, as in plural, never lost Him. We made up our mind during this time frame that our salvation, that our vision, that our calling was no longer our own. That as one body one man, we were going to pursue the kingdom of God.
0: We then learned about devoted to the apostles' teaching throughout the book of Acts. We learned for the need for corporate sacrifice instead of just one great champion. We learned the ideas like sacrifice of all, not just the generosity of a few. Do you see how that has worked its way into our everyday life here as a church? That there is a devotion to the unity found in scripture and that our lives should be marked with the power of the Holy Spirit. Who
3: remembers Colt 45? Anybody in here? Somebody's been to the marriage counseling. Here we picked up the idea of making or enforcing peace. The idea that we had to own the persecution that we were receiving, the trials that we were receiving. And it was our job as ambassadors of God on the earth to establish his shalom and right order. We do this in our families, with our children, and in the world around us. In this section, Law Dog is mentioned again. That was brought up in the previous year. But the original convictions were being revived, being renewed, being strengthened. Our resolve was no longer under attack and threatening to fall. we were rising in strength and fine-tuning our skills.
0: In the sermon, Transitional Leadership, which, by the way, is the theme of this year's conference, we study through the book of Acts and see about Paul and the importance of Barnabas. We studied through the idea of a sinful Saul and the power of a King David. We learned that propping others up was an important thing for us without receiving any credit on our own. That we are not to be seeking credit for ourselves, but our advancement is found in the advancement of others. The next sermon is lions and bears
3: out of Genesis 49 and 1 Samuel. We were learning about the majesty of our king. The majesty of the king that we represent, that we speak for, the lion-like spirit that is supposed to be in the heart of a believer, that is able to go after your enemies, able to see the things that have been defeated in the past and kill the lion, then kill the bear, then kill the Goliath. We are rising here so that we might all be victorious, not just a few great champions.
0: It was in this season that your pastors were crying out and they had this request. Lord, where are the young men who are going to be turned into the Talmuds? The Talmudim, the disciples, the lion killers, the bear-defeating, passionate, hungry, world-changing, full of the Holy Ghost men. Now the truth is, as the Lord began to answer that request with men like Nick Slaughter. Who's now a one-association pastor at the Arising Church. But then he was just a Talmud, just a disciple, like many of you here in this room today. The truth is, as we were learning then, that when men and women fully commit to being all aboard... Where LCM is going, they are transformed from being just anything. And they become stalwarts in the kingdom of God.
3: There are some things that can only be learned with the perspective of time. And we're working to help. I remember when Nick Slaughter, who is a pastor of men's souls, an overseer of their lives, was a kid playing board games in the room with him. And now he's a man that is entrusted with families. You don't know what God can do with some years of faithfulness. You don't know what he can do with your life right now that feels so pitiful. You're estranged from your family. Things are broken. God can restore it in a way that is powerful, that is life-changing. 2007 and 2008 is entitled The Great Awakening. It's titled The Great Awakening for a myriad of reasons. But the first one is the different drummer. We had the idea and understanding That at Ephesians 2, we were called to a different spirit. A spirit that is different than the rest of the world. A spirit that was unusual, that was strange, that was not welcomed by everyone around. But one that was powerful on the inside. A willingness to go against the grain was something that was being developed inside of our hearts and inside of our souls.
0: You could also see by the sermons that we're about to list to you. The explosion in the idea of the Hebraic roots of the church. With sermons like Calvay Comer. Cutting a covenant. Seven Feasts of Israel. A place called there. Ayin Tova, Nazarite vow. The Bar Mitzvah. Value of descent, And clash of cultures. You know, the truth is that speaking of clash of cultures, that is what LCM is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that around this time at this church that we began to go to Mexico. We were introduced to Mexico missions. That's pretty important, isn't it, Cody? Isn't it, Wendy? I remember, uh, this was a long time before my family got here to LCM, but I remember hearing my friends talk about a story about going to Padre Island as a vacation time with the Stevens and the Peros. They spent time on Padre Island. They were getting away from the hustle and bustle of living, full-time work, and being full-time pastors at a church. And what I learned was that when they realized that as the crow flies, they were only 40 miles from their vacation spot as when they began to minister to people who were living in a garbage dump. It changed everything about their life. See, and their convictions that were developed by this realization had an impact on me because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It began to change what I did, living far away from them, but I saw that the Lord was doing something in them through this revelation, through this great awakening of the Spirit's power in them, And it began to move me and my family. It is why the Sutherlands chose to do things the way that they did. Most of our vacations, truthfully, from that time on, were to come here to Houston and visit our friends here at this church. That was most of our vacationing that we did because we saw something that was so precious here.
3: That awakening, that different spirit, that clash of cultures, and that devotion to genuine, real missions work began to awaken something inside of us. This awakening caused us to realize that there were things inside of our life, inside of our culture, inside of our body that had to be conformed to the will of God. 2009 to 2010 is called Cleansing Fire and Rebuilding. The first sermon that we want to show you and highlight this morning is Rabble and Remnant. This sermon was preached out of Numbers 11. It's about God cleaning his house out and that amongst everyone in a community of Believers, there was a rabble that was condemned and needed to be burned. And a remnant that God was going to save. And every generation had a choice to decide where they wanted to be amongst the people of God. God's vision will be accomplished one way or another. He will bring his people into the promised land. And this revelation began to settle on us as it should with you. This is also when a Bible was stolen from my father's truck. Hmm. This Bible had been around since he was first born again and contained every note, every prophecy, every teaching that he had ever received. The sermon was actually preached with a borrowed Bible. It was an interesting time frame for us. The King of Kings had awakened us to the world around us, to the biblical world and Israeli teaching, and at the same time, the need for the Gentiles in Mexico and different parts of the world. And we were realizing that something inside of us was going to have to go higher.
0: You can see this cleansing fire and rebuilding in the sermon entitled Red and Green Should Never Be Seen. And if you've been a part of our marriage counseling, you know that this is a core fundamental teaching from the book of Leviticus. That it was God's process for purifying our hearts and it was our responsibility to respond to him. Man, things that are still driving our hearts in our church today. But the truth is, is we often think about this as a fairly pleasant sermon now. It's one of your homework assignments for marriage counseling. But the truth is, is when that sermon happened here In this place, it was gut-wrenching. It was convicting. It was moving men and women's hearts like never before because there was a divine demand to cleanse our hearts, our lives, and get our families built on the right foundation.
3: Amen. The next sermon we want to share with you is called emotional pornography. That is Genesis 3 about Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve and the Montrose. (laughs) <laughs> Adam and Eve in Genesis three, the sermon was about removing the poisonous thoughts from our marriages, from our minds, and from our thoughts, ideas about things that God never called us to, that you had a desire for something. that was a dream, some other way of life, some other spouse, some other calling and removing those things from our life so that we could be centered on God's will and God's calling. <laughs> What this did for us, though, is it began to restore our marriages. It began to restore our function and our happiness and what we were called to do instead of looking for something else. This sermon began to change the way that we view our calling and our walk.
0: That led us to another sermon entitled Shekels and Shirts from Judges 17 about a Levite who had sold out. Wow, can you imagine that? A priest who had sold out. He'd become a for-profit prophet. The idea of prostituting your call. It's one thing when you're talking about someone in a far off land in a far off time. But what about prostituting your call for money, for ease, for pleasure? That this was not just something that only the pastor should have to worry about, but that each and every believer had to worry about selling out for some substitute for what God had.
3: I told you this was cleansing fire and rebuilding. Our next sermon is called Married to a Fool. This is 1 Samuel 25. You should know this very well. This is dealing with the flesh and building Abigail. One life here became one family. And you can see how God is building our lives back up and adding to the vision.
0: In the sermon entitled Sticks and Bones, we walk through the story in Genesis. And we learn that not even death or persecution can stop you from achieving God's will. That through faithful endurance, God will resurrect you if necessary that you might receive your promise and the visions that God has given Amen. you. That holiness, in fact, is everything.
3: Say holiness is everything. Holiness, holiness is, everything. is
0: everything. This cleansing
3: fire and rebuilding brought us to the place in 2011 where we have shadows and exponential revelation. The first sermon that we want to highlight with you is out of Isaiah 35 called The Highway. There is one way, and it's the king's highway. There is no feeder road. There is a route that he wishes to build in the nations that will cause his righteousness to come across it. And it is our job to build this, to establish
0: it on the earth, that each generation has bricks to lay. The next sermon we want to talk to you about is Islam and understanding the times. Please don't make the uh, mistake that this is the first time that this church talked about, thought about, or was involved in understanding Islam and the times that we're living in. But this was a particularly poignant one as God was returning our attention and turning our attention as a body to the religion of the Antichrist. It was a renewed focus in what we were to do. And the truth is, folks, what we're trying to get you to show, we're trying to show you here today, is that we can look at men who are giving their lives and getting ready to go on the mission field to these areas. But see, these things take years and years to develop within your heart. Many times we've spoken about Islam here in this church, and these men have caught hold of this vision like never before.
3: The next sermon we want to point to is called Books Were Open. What this was prompted by was a vision that God had given us that was illustrating what we had to accomplish. You've known that you had certain things you wanted to do with your life. We all have ideas. We have a few things in mind that we wish we get to. It's an entirely different thing when you realize I want you to do this and I want you to do it in this time frame. Have you ever been at work, you know, and you got a project that's way out there, you know, it's coming. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll get to it. And then it's the 28th, the 29th and you're rushing, trying to get it done. This vision for us was like the job site foreman. Your boss came to your desk and said, Christy, you don't have all month. You got five days. Start to get work. We realized that God had called us to build The one association that the things that we are living in right now during this year time frame were revealed in an urgency that lit a fire inside of us, that it must be done, that it cannot be cast off, cannot be set for another generation, that it is our job to fulfill it. And it must be done now. Do you still have a fire burning inside of you? Are you waiting till the end of the 30th to fulfill your quota? Where are you at in your month? Is it today is the day of salvation? Come on, we preached about this not long ago. You're not getting soft on me, are you? It's today the day of salvation. God lit a fire in us with this sermon that was meant to usher in the things that we are living in to this day. And I guarantee it, he's going to add things to it that light a fire in us today and in the coming weeks.
0: The next part of the exponential revelation that God gave was one life, family, and nation. See, if you were here before that, what you would hear all the time from our church is changing one life at a time. It's a phrase that was common to us now. One life, one family, one nation. But it was a progressive revelation yeah. that God begins to open up. He won't contradict what he's already told you. But as you are faithful to hold on to what God is saying, he can entrust you with more. Amen. See, it's the one life that becomes the one family that reaches the nations. What an incredible thing. This was the time that we began to draw names as a church. But it wasn't names for each other it was names of nations that we might be praying that God would give us a harvest in the nations.
3: Amen. Amen. The next section we want to look at is called the Ilium and the Nations. This message was preached out of Exodus 15, 27. This is where the idea comes from of 12 domestic springs that spe- feed 70 palm trees that represent the nations on earth. This is the foundation of the one association. In this time frame, we ramped up on missions. We had been going to Mexico. We had been faithfully working in areas. We began to travel the whole world. When I say whole world, I mean selling trucks, selling businesses, making more international flights than most people see in a decade, in just a couple of years. Went to India multiple times in a year, went to Africa, went to South America, went to Central America, went to visit friends in Europe, Eastern Europe, and other parts of Asia, all in just a few years. Because we realized those 12 springs were supposed to feed 70 palm trees. So we decided we're going to get up and go do it. Acts 16, around the same time frame, God called us to go. One man had a vision, but they concluded that God had called us. As a body, we were rallying around the call of God that had been received by a few individuals, but realized the weight of that was on every man and woman in the room.
0: In the sermon, full price, you see that we have been declaring this not just since our family banner series, but that the full price has been with us since the beginning out of 2 Samuel 24, that whatever it costs, it is worth it to receive and to reach the kingdom. It is worth it to reach the nations with the power of the kingdom. LCM will always be a church that pays the full cost every single time. (laughs) Can I get an old is better
3: from somebody in the room? Old is better. This sermon is out of Luke five thirty nine. that with the new revelation that God had been giving us, we were going back to the faith fundamentals, the faith of Abraham, the original way. It is better. Hebraic roots was something we continued to preach on. It was not something new, but something that God had originally planned. At the end of this year, as we transition in 2013, there was something that was handed out as a Christmas gift. That Christmas gift was called DCD. We handed out that pamphlet to everybody at the end of the year to read for a Christmas gift about the idea that we don't care a damn about what it costs to accomplish the will of God. We heard the vision that God gave us and what it was going to take was a full price, full cost kind of mentality that didn't care a damn what it cost us over the next few years. We were going to see it accomplished. 2013 is called preparing for
0: war. You will see why. Look at this sermon, Dreams with Bows, as we see the progressive revelation. We talked earlier about the sermon entitled The Dreamer. See, now it's not just about how you are engaging with your vision, but can you engage with your vision and help propel other people like a bow? We focus on 2 Peter 1, that the word of God can be made more certain. Now, it is what it is, but it can be made more certain in your life as you begin to experience with it. The revelation had grown and was demanding greater faith and a deepening of the same roots that God had given us from the beginning.
3: Amen. The next sermon was called Breaking Barriers. Our vision has grown and we're trying to deal with the things that are in opposition and stir up our faith. Paul, can I get a Breaking Barriers from you? Breaking Barriers! That man is called to break barriers and lay out a path. He's a clear and trailblazing kind of family over there. In the message, Breaking Barriers, Micah two thirteen. Luke 16, 16 were scriptures that we covered. As a body, we began to understand that as far as we had previously gone, we had much further to go and something was required. We had an obligation to break open those barriers, not open it, not twist the knob, break it open and leave it wide open so it could never be repaired. We were going to lay a track, lay a pathway, lay a flight charter for other people to follow
0: this warrior mentality continued with radical amputation. Come on, somebody say radical amputation. amputation. There is no other type of view that you can have on eliminating sin from your life. You have to take it full on and make a radical amputation from the things that are in this world. We looked at Deuteronomy 19 and Matthew 5. For us to reach the vision that God had set forth, the weight of the sin in your life has to be amputated. Notice, I want you to notice something, church. That there are a lot of people who heard that sermon at yep. this moment. They heard the sermon, but they did not enact that radical amputation attitude in their own lives. And they were not amputating the things that ended up poisoning their own lives. That's true. This is the, the, the tale of many who have come here. The truth is, is if everybody who's been saved, spirit-filled, touched by God, prof- uh, prophesied to, were here in this room, we could not hold it. Not four times over could we hold it. But the idea of radical amputation became a part of the core DNA of this church. The reason for that, Pastor,
3: is found in our next sermon.
0: Rope burns.
3: This is out of Psalm 19, James 3, Proverbs 25. The idea that too much of our Christian lives look like Odysseus, a man who is hearing the siren's call but has tied himself up to a mast based upon restriction and reaction that you desperately are longing for the world while sitting in a church pew. I really hope that's not true of you today, because it can be different. Amen. We must take on the actual desire of Christ, where we no longer want what is wicked. Where we're asking Him to transform our minds, not just living as slaves, with a chain to Christ. He's our freedom. He set us free in power and abundance. He is not a chain in this house.
0: Amen.
3: We preach this message, rope burns, because we wanted to be free from sinful desire. This
0: led to other powerful message messages like the marks of Christ.
3: Deep conviction and masculine holiness. The phrase holiness or die trying came out of it. Powder puff prophets and candy apple Christians. Chocolate soldiers. Sermons you will know that were preached in 2013 as well are no weapon.
0: Apex predator. Giant killing. Mountain men. And contend. Man, we even had some special s- sermons given by... Men who were disciples here at, this, at the moment, but are now pastors in the one association. Like Pastor Zeke Lamb, who gave us Abound, Not Abandon. Yeah. Or Pastor Mike Hutchinson, that gave us Featherweight Flighters, or Holy Ghost Heavyweights. That was a good word. Hey. My personal favorite
3: from 2013, though, was a sermon called Perfect Strength. Yeah. In that sermon, a certain pastor slapped you with the Torah Piro preached his first full-time sermon, completely free of the secular environment, nothing but pastoring LCM in 2013. Saints, it's kind of hard to remember at this place, with three pastors that are dedicated to your well-being, that it wasn't until 2010 and 11 before my father came out of the workforce, working 50, 60 hours a week and pastoring this church for over 10 years. Pastor Matthew did not come on full-time until 2013. The sermon that he preached was called Perfect Strength because it was a supernatural event that God brought him to that place. We have some things to celebrate. The vision the Lord entrusted us with required two pastors' full-time attention. It wasn't possible to accomplish Eliam and the nations by one man's efforts alone. Our heavenly commander was preparing his divisions to carry out his plan
0: and his flight path. Man, amen. That leads us to 2014. And we titled this, Battered But Not Beaten. As a matter of fact... Our resolve is growing. Yeah, it was. Come on. The first sermon I want to talk to you about is red herring. Get it. This is out of Genesis 11, out of first Corinthians 11. The truth is in 2014 at this message called red herring, our church almost had a split. We almost split up as a church. This is painful to admit, but it's absolutely the truth. See, the gospel doesn't hide men's flaws, and we're not intending to hide our flaws from you today. Amen. But this is also where, in a time where the one association vision was announced publicly. Yeah. Where the irreducible minimums were introduced. Amen. We were even uh, engaged in a lawsuit. It began this year. But graciously, the Lord used this to firmly set into stone our conviction that we would never. Somebody say never. 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 We would never bend to try to be a more acceptable version of a church. We are going to stand true to exactly who God has made us. Yeah. Amen.
3: Poor man. Here's no threat. Pastor <laughs>
0: sure.
3: down, but not out was our next sermon. Psalm 34 and 17 judges 16. These concepts are about how we might be attacked, but we're going to take that and go on the offensive. Then no matter how bad we are beaten, we're not done. I want to read you something. We took a Bob Moorhead quote. And modified it slightly into this year. I will not flinch in the fact of sacrifice. Hesitate in the presence of adversity. Negotiate at the table of the enemy. Ponder at the pool of popularity. Or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am on the war path for the cause of Christ. See, we heard this quote at this time. And then later, we added to it and added our church name and other things as we worked with it. But we were beginning to grasp the idea that the enemy was giving us his very best shot with things like red herring. He was doing all that he could to break us in this moment. And we decided that we were not going to flinch in the fact of sacrifice. And God began to allow us to deal some heavy blows
0: over the next weeks. This was a time when a uh, pastor's truck was stolen. We were in over 30 nations at that time. Our pastor was in Romania and not even sure what to do. Lord, all this is going on. Are we, are we going to be able to be successful? And the cry of his heart began to be, Lord, just one more time. Amen. Just one more time, Lord. We may feel like we're down and out. We may feel like our usefulness is done. But, Lord, one more time, for the sake of your great name, will you use this group? Will you pour your spirit in? And that led us. It helped us to learn how to clench, turn, and mount an offensive. Where we looked at Romans 4 and Isaiah 50. That we had to learn to take hold of the reality of our situations. We had to turn towards what God had truly told us and begin to pummel the enemy in every single way. Yes. Then, in fact, in the face and the fact of overwhelming opposition, we were learning not to complain, but turn and face our enemy and make him pay for what he was trying to do to us.
3: I see the Rosales brothers back there. Uh, know them, and they're the kind of men that if they're going to lose, they're going to make you pay for it. We were embattled in court. We had lawsuits. All kinds of things. A sermon came out of that that is seriously beautiful. Called, Gutter Real Estate with a Starry View. It's based out of First John 1 and Isaiah 56. Our circumstances could no longer define our destination. We were beaten up, but our view could not be stolen. We had the rights to something that courts could not take away. That lawyers could not condemn. That could not be seized by the sheriff's office. We had the rights... To become a son of God. Do you hold that right today? Yes. Then let's set our eyes towards the heavens. And let's get rid of anything else that could be stolen by man that might affect
0: us. The sermon, Agony and, and a Crown, out of Acts 13 and Exodus 29. We began to boldly take our calling and proclaim it around the world. Yeah. The Lord showed us that we're going to have to suffer. That suffering is to be expected. That the truth is, is that suffering is what is normal in real Christianity. Yeah. it's always has been and it always will be.
3: The marks of the chosen. First Thessalonians 1 4. Thessalonians 1.4. John 10.14. And again, Luke 16.16. 16. With deep conviction, we would endure. Never settling for neat little confectionaries. We realized what it meant to be in the kingdom was that you bore the marks of Christ just like Paul did. That, that persecution that was being spoken of, that difficulty in the prior messages, it actually began to become a badge of honor. Yeah. Rather than whining about it or praying at the altar with tears, we began to say, heck yeah. 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 We've been in the cage. Yeah. I'm a son of God. Yeah. We fought for this. Now we're holding up our medal in this house. Yeah. The Marks of the Chosen is about those who decided to smile and take a beating as a mark of genuine faith and masculine holiness. Not an effeminate holiness that was barely holding on. We said we like it, and we can take some more. I want to be like Christ and bear his stripes.
0: No wonder we had this sermon, Soldier. Come on. Out of Proverbs, out of Matthew, out of Acts 10. That like soldiers, we are to carry out our orders with a holy discipline. And the truth is, is we're supposed to carry it out with a holy savagery in everything that we do. The idea of the legio fulminata came into being in this sermon. Legio. That we that we should be willing to go stand on the ice and suffer for our great King rather than do anything else that would defame His name. We began to emphasize heavily on
3: the Talmudim and discipleship. In the message embedded nails from Genesis 6.13, Numbers 33, Ecclesiastes 12.11, we learned that we must drive these teachings into every area of our life. It's not enough just to know about the idea. It must be embedded in our homes, in our children, in our workplace. And we wanted to model ourselves after Christ and the men who are leading us. Honoring, honing in on God's actual will instead of floating around with every church teaching. With these great adversities, we learned that discipleship was the key to longevity. It was what it meant to continue in the faith. It's why we are still here growing because we raised up disciples, not just people who sat in the church. With this idea, as we're honing in on God's actual will, we're learning concepts like Praying for everybody that you randomly come across may not actually be God. But doing what God actually tells you to do and driving it in, driving it in like a deeply embedded nail is what is worth your time, worth your effort, and you'll reap a harvest on. Can somebody say in this house that you have wasted time before? See, I know that I have, even in this house. But today we get the opportunity to be deeply embedded nails.
0: Say embedded nails with me. Embedded nails. Few in number, one in purpose. Out of Exodus 40 in Romans 8. It defines who we are. As a matter of fact, it is part of the logo that you see here on the one association. Yep. What kind of sons are we producing? Are we producing sons that are after our own kind? Come on. The truth is, is that you always will produce sons after your own kind. We just don't always want to admit the sons that we're seeing is in fact our own kind. But at this church, we understand that we're always going to be outnumbered. That we're always going to have difficulty. That we're always going to have suffering. And the truth is, is we like it. We lean into it. We appreciate it. We go, oh, I don't know what to do if there's not enough adversity in my life. I might get soft. Praise God for the adversity and the suffering. Because it is the basic content of what you're hearing now in in our preaching. That's because we possessed a rising faith. A faith
3: that could not be beaten. A faith like Numbers 14 and Joshua 3. That is like crossing the Jordan River or coming up to the cross. That it brings us from death into life. We faced faithless defections in this time frame from people inside the body. We also were able to revisit amazing healings and testimonies that happened and see more of them. God was drawing a clear distinction for us between those who had proved to be faithless and factless and those who were dependent upon the miraculous power of God. Things like Chris's ribs were healed in the early days, and we got to go over that again. Bethany was healed in the womb. Chris's heart was healed. And we were still fighting for our children's lives then and there and crossing another Jordan. That was 2014. Where will we be 10 years from now? The Jordan has always been crossed at flood stage. Our faith must rise according to the opposition that we are facing. Our God has inexhaustible resources. We were learning to tap into that, and our faith was rising as the challenges did.
0: Speaking about an overcoming faith, we had the sermon entitled Mad Men, where Sarah Dang was announced. Yeah! (laughs) After seven years of praying for a baby. And now there's two little dang girls running around. (laughs) Dang
3: those girls.
0: We had a sermon from The Arising Church where Pastor Nick Slaughter came and spoke to us here. We had the sermon entitled Fear Versus Desire where Pastor Brent Vincent spoke on Proverbs 10.24. What a special time.
3: Again, he was a disciple then. That's true. (laughs) 2015 to 2016 is called Growing in Power and in Fruit. We're now going on the offensive. We're done taking body shots. We're done taking agony in the crown in some of the previous sections. we realized who we are. We've realized what we can take, and we only want the real thing. Our first section is going to be called Concentrate, not 50-50. We are going to boldly demand the real thing in the coming sermons. Our first one is called Holy Ghost Revolution out of Mark 1, 14. The time has come. The time for waiting has gone. It's time that we live in the full power of the Spirit and revolutionize the world around us. We were done with Christianity that had no effect. We wanted the real thing and we wanted it now.
0: We wanted the real thing and it was shown in the sermon entitled The Holy Spirit Uncaged. Where we looked at Genesis 8, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 2. We talked about the idea of uncaging the Holy Spirit in your life. Not just allowing Him to stay but somewhere cornered off in your life, the unbridled, unmeasured amount of the Holy Spirit being alive in you and working in you all the time. What an incredible thing that it showed us that the hero, that it was demanded of us heroism that was required for our faith.
3: Church, things about to get good. I can tell you why. We're about to start hitting some sermons from Pastor Wade as well. The sermon, Parallel Sacrifices, was shortly after uh, Wade and Christy were starting to get settled in the body. They came and spoke many times, but they're here. They're a part of us. They're moving. This sermon was out of Second Samuel 2. My God, man. It was about Joab's walk with David and how it was parallel, but was never quite right. The idea that you might be moving along with the vein of the body. Right along with the church vision, but you're never actually in line with it and that it's possible for you to go all the way down the line like Matthew seven twenty one, doing great works, miraculous things, and yet you end up being slayed in the temple courts. Pastor preached that to us. You know what it was doing? It was teaching us to distinguish the real thing versus something that is close, versus something that is pseudo, something that is looks like your wife, but maybe is a... Mother of all in Revelation. Maybe an anti-Christ. A pseudo-Christ. It was teaching us, and we have to keep honing this concept in, that close is not close enough. That shooting for what you think might work is not a Holy Ghost revolution. That it is not spirit unchained. That what we must have is the unequivocal, unashamed, unadulterated, real thing in our life, and nothing close will suffice. Can I get an amen? Amen. Parallel
0: sacrifices. The real gospel is never tame. The tame gospel was right out of Mark chapter 16. Come on. We were learning that all of the gospel has to go into all of the world and yeah. what it really means to believe. We learned that as a church, and as LCM, speaking in tongues is a non-negotiable. Yeah. Amen. It's a non-negotiable. We need everyone in this room. If you are not filled with the Spirit, you need to be. You must be filled with the Spirit to accomplish what God is going to do on this flight. Where He is going with this group of people, you must be. It is a non-negotiable for our church. That we become the most dangerous things alive when we fully believe in the real gospel. Somebody say, do the work.
3: Do the work. Do the work. Sermon young men out of Numbers 8, 23. Talked about stages in life, what are meant to be a son in the faith, a father in the faith, and a young man in the faith. We also looked at the stages for the Levites, 0 to 25, 25 to 30, and 30 to 50. The idea is that as we progress, we are meant to learn a skill and a trade. And there's a time frame in our life where we're meant to do the hard work. You're meant to overcome the evil one. And there's a time frame when you are meant solely to support the next generation. The thoughts about your own life, own calling need to die by the wayside and it's time to help others. From 1 Chronicles 28.20 is the LCM axiom, do the work son, is where it comes from. The idea here is that we don't want to be those who are waiting on another generation, letting our time pass by. When it is our time to do the work, we do it because there is a day and an hour coming when that is past, and it's in the next person's hands. And we're working to raise those up as well.
0: Come on, somebody say, I want to win. I want to win. Man, what a memorable sermon out of Matthew 28, 2 Timothy 4, and John 5, that we are supposed to go and make disciples. But truth is, is here at LCM, it's almost like we've won a spiritual lottery. We've been endowed with such gifting, with such thoughts, with such revelations. We've inherited this. But we have to learn to have an absolute dependency upon the Lord in everything that we do. And that absolute dependency is the solution for everything going on in your life. Some
3: other sermons that were preached in the same
0: vein during this
3: year. Pastor Wade preached heavy hands. Justin Trister preached radical assault. Zeke preached tension on the line. And the very own Rick Lawhon
0: preached critical mass. Man, can you feel the heat that's resulting in what the church is doing? As you're listening to this, you should be hearing a narrative that's running all the way through. That we've picked a sampling, a small sampling of the sermons. Of the things that God has spoken to us. But He's building heat. He's building intensity. And it produces friction from those who are trying to oppose us. But we're intent on working in the power of the Holy Spirit in our midst. It shows in sermons like Semantic Drift. That is showing about the societal drift from truth. Tribal knowledge. We
3: were done accepting what others had told us and wanted the real thing. Social with Sodom. Holiness, hatred, and bigotry. The transgender gospel. A fly in the ointment. The
0: truth about bacon and Islam. Enough is enough. Eaten by worms. STD. Game of thorns, a theology of fire. Grapes of
3: wrath, maybe tomorrow. Can you feel that there's some heat in LCN? We wanted the real thing. We wanted the power of God, and we were done with faithless, feckless foolishness. We would not be satiated by anything else. We wouldn't accept it, and we were going to burn it out no matter what it took.
0: As a result of this, we begin to learn how to deepen our fatherhood and discipleship. We have a sermon entitled, The Misunderstood Father. Understanding the actual heart of God from Genesis 2 and within the New Testament as well. Understanding that we have such a father, and we must emulate him. This is where Talmudim and the door came from, out of Genesis 6
3: and 2 Corinthians 5. We cannot remain as we are. We must be growing in every area. Very simply, if you are in Christ, you're becoming new. If you're not becoming new, you're not in Christ. This is where the idea came that we must be Talmudim, not just disciples in the sense that we're learning church doctrine. We're honing in on and
0: adding to the teaching that we must be transformed in the model of a teacher. The natural response to that is sermons like Stand and Sacrifice out of Proverbs 21, where we have to learn how to sacrifice for the next generation. We were talking about how an unfathered generation produces such lack in people. We learned there an important an important thing that this is LCM and you better get yourself in the truck. Yeah!
3: The sermon Jefuna was preached out of Psalm 37 and Numbers 14. The name Jefuna has to do with one who prepares or sets up a way. And that we would be preparing for the next generation. And what a spiritually strong and virile life is, is one who sacrifices for their benefit. This is also Titus Magnus Benjamin Stevens for service. I
0: love you, my lion cub. (laughs) You can see that it's been for the years that we've been preaching about the generations. We've been talking about generations and how important they are, and it's just now, I feel like, starting to get down in the DNA of the church, but you can see it beginning from from the very outset, that here in Generation Sermon, we talked about Matthew 11 and Luke 21, that we must take this to a thousand generations. Saints, we have the
3: same vision here, but with an increased strength. The sermon, One Life, One Family, One Nation, had been previously preached, but it was re-preached again. With Pastor Wade, Pastor Matthew, and Pastor Stevens all at the same time. They spoke on it together because they were unified around the vision and it added a threefold cord that could not easily be broken. Genesis 12, Matthew 4, Revelation 18, Revelation 7 are all on this topic. Abraham was a man who built a family ordained by God. And they built a nation together that then affected the nations. You see how God is adding to the revelation that we received? but adding content, meat on the bones, strength to it. We must give it all. There is no medium ground. Either we are all in for all of the gospel, or there is none of it that you are worthy of. The call of the gospel is always about leaving something or coming out of something.
0: Come on, and talking about leaving something, we got into a sermon called Catalyst, where we were talking about the de- demonstrable sons and the demonstrable fruit that you are supposed to have. That out of Matthew 13 that what is produced in you will be obvious. It will be apparent to all. That We had had something that was introduced to us that cannot be stopped, not in any way, not at any time.
3: This year we ordained Brent Vincent and Michael Hutchinson. Demonstrable fruit. You can detract from us in any way that you would like, but you cannot argue with the fruit. The truth of it is, is that the discipleship process that we preach, that we teach, that we live, produces radical sons for Jesus Christ.
0: In the year 2017, we were learning how to fight together. We had a sermon entitled Jarhead Covenant. Man, what an incredible thing where we were going over the oaths, the covenant relationships that we are to make that we might advance the kingdom. We talked about our one association oaths, the irreducible minimums. We focused in Psalm 116 to make sure that we had our covenant, that no matter what was happening, we could always turn to break that jar and remind ourselves of what God had promised us. You guys remember getting wrecked in Turkey,
3: right? Yeah. Genesis thirty seven, twenty-three, Judges eleven, this story is about Jephthah and how he was in a place where he was empty. Joseph was thrown into a well that was empty, but something about an emptiness for this world produced an infilling of the Holy Ghost that could not be stopped. This is the idea of a poor man here's no threat. You got nothing to steal, you got nothing to take. My inheritance is in heaven and it cannot be diminished. We experienced all kinds of things in this year. We also got to walk around in Turkey and see the seven churches that were named by God that no longer exist. And we began to cultivate inside of our hearts and minds that we would not hold on to anything of this world because all that we wanted was the
0: power of God. That it was worth it to see
3: those places reached.
0: Near the end of that year, we had a sermon entitled The Right Hand, where we focused in Isaiah 59, Exodus 15, and Psalm 44 to talk about the all-encompassing power of god at work through the right hand of yeah. god in our lives after that in conclusion
3: for the series we had the final round ultimate sovereignty which was preached by all three pastors it's Out in numbers 1 and 26 we also described cyrus it was the idea that god has a will that he will accomplish and he is ultimately sovereign no matter how difficult the way is in between that with a generation that was faithless he started over and did it again but with fewer people That his will will be accomplished one way or another. But it is our time, our day, to stand up for the works that Ephesians 1 tells us about. That we must rise to meet it and it is your calling and not to pass the buck.
0: In 2018, we were engaging with discipleship that turns men into heroes. Yeah. Man, that's exactly what the Lord was doing. We started off that year with the Talmudim series. Pastor mentioned that he is writing that book now to go along with this, but you see that it was an entire series that we did in January of 2018, and it was a powerful force. It was a powerful series that we're still reaping benefits from.
3: And Jesus loves us. He lets there be just enough affirmation every once in a while to remind us that we're still his. The sermon cult leader is one of the first ones that we want to mention here. Is that out Psalm 55, Acts 24, Isaiah 50, Numbers 12. It's about the idea that persecution, yet again, is a badge of honor. No attack, no defense, that we're going to stand on what God has given us. But every once in a while, we need a good reminder that we're back in this. You know, you ever been sleepy or dazed and somebody stepped suddenly in front of you in traffic and all of a sudden you're awake? This was like that. Leaders in the Bible are always plural. This was clearly enumerated in the word. The sermon cult leader was given because men accused our pastors of being solo, alpha male. Boorish cult leaders instead of men who work in the clear team and unity that we've laid out. May the insults of my master follow me is our cry. Thank you, God, that men will spit in our face because it reminds us that we are like him. May we get a few lashes and nails in there as well.
0: Your pastors preach a sermon entitled Semed, Team Fighting. Yeah. We learn that there is fighting, that the heavens fight in teams, and that we should all fight in teams. We actually were reminded of some Mapoho Lions Come on. Who, who tore up the African plains because they were lions that learned the power of fighting in teams. We learned this from Exodus 18, from Joshua 6, and from Acts chapter 6. Those lions
3: were devastating because they worked together. They worked as brothers and they would not be denied. A to the house of heroes is about men who in a dulem, in a cave, who were distressed, who were not worth much to the world around them, who united together as brothers and followed a king who was not popular at the time. They would not be satiated with the popular artificial pools, with the systems of discipleship that are around in so many churches and so many places. They wanted to be with the king, even if he was in a hole. What this did is they rose to become the house of heroes. They rose to become David's mighty fighting men. In this body, he's taking those of you who are distressed, discontent, have your own problems, and he will make you into a mighty hero if you're willing to stand with him no matter what.
0: This takes us to this year. As we begin moving towards the generations. Think about it. The Band of Survivor Series. Master Ship Builders. Shamar. We had individual sermons like the Desert of Dependency. That's where all kings, prophets, and priests are formed is in the desert. And we must learn to be dependent on Him. We learned that the majority rules. That you plus the Holy Spirit are always the majority. Amen? We learned to have zero faith. No reserve. No holds bar kind of attitude. We learn that we must walk under our family banner and that we must reach the thousand generations. This is where we have been.
3: And we need to have an appreciation for what it took to bring us there. What it is that formed our souls. What it is that makes us hold the convictions that we do. Well, what about today? What we want to speak to you about now is today. What has happened and what is today and where we are going. We told you that we're on a brief stop. We have a runway that we're going off on. On aboard board is what we are crying out to you today, that now is the time to get on the flight because we are going somewhere. Yeah. There are some very specific waypoints that you're going to need to know as LCM men to make the charter, for you to have a spiritual success in your flight, for you to reach the destination that your heavenly commander is aiming you at. In our remaining time together, we want to give you these points. There are seven of them.
0: The truth is, is when you come into this church, people are always looking for a class some easy cliff note version of how you become what you see before you. How can we do this? Do we have a one-hour class that we can go over, Pastor, and learn what LCM is all about? Well, today is going to be the closest thing that you get to that. We're trying. You could be men like the Deramolas, like Abambola or the Lenten, or Justin Linton, who decided that they were going to listen to all of the sermons that we had. The truth is, is this is how you become what we are, is that you become so serious about it, Now, what we've done is we've taken 1,700 sermons. Somebody say, that's a lot of sermons. sermons. We have taken 1,700 sermons. We've distilled it. Now we're disseminating it to you. And what we found is after 1,700 sermons, after thousands of salvations and people getting spirit-filled, after work around the world in more than 40 countries and on just about every continent on the planet, We've distilled it down to seven things. Are you ready to get these seven things from us? Yes. This is an incredible thing that we want to tell you. These waypoints in the flight path that God has for us.
3: We're talking are, about distilled down like some kind of very rare whiskey. Like <laughs> something that took years and years to make. This is a 17-year-old bottle here is what we're saying. <laughs> this was not something we thought about this morning. They're like, hey, you know what would be cool to close the service with? Let's write this on a napkin. 17 years in the making is what we're saying. Of blood, sweat, tears, trials is what is producing this.
0: Our very first foundational principle, our very first waypoint is that this church is foundational. We're built on the foundation of scripture. We are built on the foundation of the very spirit of God. There is no other foundation that you can be built upon. We learn phrases and axioms like perform out there what you have practiced in here. See, this is a practice round. This is just a huddle, but out there is where you're supposed to be living this. How many people do you know that can talk it in a place like this, but can't live it out there? That is not what we're interested in, because that's not foundational. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. And by the way, we are not at all, not even a little bit intimidated by the time on this today. We're disseminating 17 years of the Spirit of God moving. If you want to watch a movie, I promise you can end up watching that movie no matter how long it is and never have to get up and go to the restroom. We're teaching you about the principles of heaven. I promise you that you can tune in to us right now. You're going to have to go back and listen to this sermon more than once. The truth is. You're going you're gonna to realize that you want to make a list. You're going to print out the PDF that we'll have on our website so that you can see the sermons that you should be engaging with. Amen. You should see the progression because we're a foundational church. And Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, male, female, young, old, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation anyone there's something that should be different going on inside of you and if you don't start on this foundation none of the rest of it even makes a difference the old has gone Ooh, but the new has come
3: under the same category let's talk more walk pairs with this out of james two eighteen. but someone will say you have faith i have deeds show me your faith without deeds and i will show you my faith by what i do The idea behind "less talk more walk is that LCM men don't say something and then not follow up on it. Then we are men who demonstrate with deeds, with courage, with action. We're not simply going to rely upon doctrine in this house. We're men who walk, not just talk. We
0: let our deeds more than our creeds speak for us. You see, changing one life at a time, that's where this all began. The focus on the one life that is in front of you. The focus on who God has put before you. Man, can you imagine somebody like Elijah? How many things that Elijah did that were incredible. But the truth is, is if he, if he would have just had one accomplishment and produced Elisha, that would have been one of the most significant investments in the kingdom that has ever been wrought. Man, that's a viewpoint that we have to get
3: a hold of. It is. We want amazing, great, glorious things with a lifetime of work. But the truth is, what this church was founded on is that if you changed one man's life that became a disciple and was better than you, then that entire lifetime was worth it. We have to view discipleship and the dedication of our lives in this perspective. Our second waypoint is called full price. This is where terms like DCD comes from, that we don't care a damn how much it costs. Get your butt in the truck. The idea that real men don't watch other people work, they get up and do it. From this best job I ever had came about. That the idea that no matter how hard it is, this is what we're called to do and we like it. First Chronicles 21, 22, we mentioned this earlier. David said to him, let me have the site of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord. That the plague on my people may be stopped. Sell it to me at the full price. Aruna said to David, take it. Let my Lord the King... Do whatever pleases him. Luke, I will give you the oxen for burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood, and the wheat for the grain offerings. I will give all of this. But King David replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying the full price. I've never met a pastor other than the ones that are here that refused an offering. That took things in and gave them back because it wasn't holy and righteous. They knew that something else had to be done with it. David in this moment says, no, I will not bring something before my God that costs me nothing. I insist on paying the full price. Your second waypoint, LCM, is that if you want to represent an LCM man and a disciple, it is always your job to pay full price. Don't wait for a little girl. Don't wait for a man from another church, somebody else to step up and take the punch. It is your job.
0: Our next waypoint is to facilitate shalom and your own family function. Here we are learning things about how men are supposed to reflect, uh, who are supposed to present the light like the sun. And their wives are supposed to reflect them. We learn about priesthood in your home. We learn about ownership of your personal and family devotion. We do not pass the buck here. In Psalm 34, 14. It says to turn from evil and do good, to seek peace and pursue it. We learn that to do this, it requires action on our part. To find shalom is to have a verb going on. You're working towards it and it must be fought for, battled for at all times. In Matthew 5, 9, we learn that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. You know, the more that
3: we suffer for Christ, the more that it costs us, the more that it is worth it to us. That's why we don't pass the buck. We're done with the garden living. We're done passing off anybody else's shame and trying to squeal out of it, to squirm out of it. We're men who own our calling, own our families, and take responsibility for who we are. What it takes to see success in these areas is your fourth principle, fiery faith. Faith that is enduring, unyielding, conviction that does not fade. Faith that is for decades. A faith that stands the test of fire. A faith that is based on the fire of God's holy altar. And a faith that brings fire to the faith of others. If your faith is not hot enough to be lighting others ablaze, there's a problem. You need to fan it into flame. Christians do not stay stagnant. They're not Christians if they stay stagnant. We are an ember that is supposed to set the world ablaze. Not a fast faith. One that pops up and dissolves after a moment. We're those who need to dig down roots. Say dig roots. Dig roots. If God has called you to be here, dig roots. If He's called you to a specific task, dig roots. Because we're going to have a fiery faith that is unyielding. Matthew 7.20 He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is often misunderstood by crazy charismatics. And we've been in that group occasionally. The idea here is that faith as small as a mustard seed will grow and you are able to accomplish a monumental task if you keep working at it. This is not Sunday school. This is heart-wrenching life where you have children dying. When you have lawsuits, we have things that are coming against you. This waypoint, LCMN, is what it will mean, is what is the difference between somebody who has a few good years and somebody who finishes in the kingdom. We've seen both and we're telling you, this is what embodies LCMN and it's a waypoint for you. Take it in. Wear it like a badge on your chest. Pilots have little stars that they have depending on their accomplishments and the rank. They don't walk around holding it behind. They're not trying to get away. It's out there like principles for the world
0: to see. These are principles that are worth being proud of. That's right. All true Talmudim have these principles in their lives. The next waypoint we want to describe to you is a full gospel proclamation. Yeah. To have a bold, brash, unashamed, have the word and the spirit and you begin to share your experience with it. We often say that the man with the experience is not at the mercy with the man of the man who only has an argument. Let your experience with the word, let your personal interaction with the word and your experience with it begin to move on other people that you might have a full gospel proclamation. Turn with me to Acts chapter five and verse 20. Come Acts chapter 5 and verse 20. Turn there with me. I need to hear more pages turning. Acts chapter 5 and verse 20 says this. Go. Somebody say go. Go. Stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. See, we are committed to a full gospel presentation at this church. A full gospel proclamation because the truth is is there is no other kind of gospel proclamation that you can have. You can't hide part of it until people are ready to handle it. You've got to go and trust that the power of the word, the power of the word in his spirit that saved you from where you were, is enough to save them. It's enough to transform them if it's actually going on inside of you as well. Say waypoint. Waypoint. Say full
3: gospel. Full gospel. Proclamation. 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 For you to reach your spiritual destiny. Your charter, the aim for your family's life on this flight. Full gospel is unequivocally something that cannot be compromised in any area. The full message of this new life leaves no allowances, leaves no exceptions, and no hesitations. Revelation 5 1 describes how we proclaim this full gospel. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat at the throne a scroll writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice. Who is worthy to break the seal and open the scrolls? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. See, we have a gospel. We have an inheritance that is lion-like, that is loudly proclaimed in the heavenlies. That above the earth, under the earth, in the earth, we're not just speaking about mankind, we're speaking about the heavens and the things below. Everyone must hear this gospel. Not only is it to be proclaimed boldly, it must be proclaimed in its fullness, and its entirety. The Apostle Paul himself prayed and asked others to pray that he might declare it fearlessly as it should. Your waypoint here is that you will preach the full gospel... And you will preach it like a lion, the
0: king that you represent. Amen. Our next waypoint, we entitled as favor. That this church, that LCM, if you're going to be an actual man here at LCM, if you're going to be a true disciple of what God is doing here at LCM, we are completely dedicated to Israel's salvation and to their well-being. This idea is that we go all the way back to sermons like man, land, and plan. That we believe that the true gospel started with Abraham and it was extended to his family, to the nation of Israel. And we have been allowed to join in to, to what they have. We have not replaced them. We are not usurping them. We are joining with them. And so it is up to us to make sure that the gospel gets all the way back to them. Because it started there and it will in fact end there. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15. We are dedicated to Israel's salvation. We have a family that's going to move there in the years ahead to show the dedication that we have for this group of people. In Romans 15 and verse 27. This is about as plain as it can be said. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. Somebody say, owe it. Owe it. Man, what is it like when you owe something to someone? It's on your mind all the time. You know that you need to get back to that. You know that you need to return that. You know that you need to bring that back to them. For the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings. They owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Wow. Why is this not a scripture that we have monogrammed on our pillows? (laughs) It's not about us. You're never going to find this in grandma's attic. I promise. But the word of God clearly says that if you have shared in these spiritual blessings from the Jews, that we owe it to them to give them everything that we have.
3: The other portion of this as a waypoint for an LCM man who wants to land in the correct destination, is there is never a time when the centrality of Israel can be compromised in your preaching the gospel. Not in Iraq, not in Turkey, not in Syria, not in an Arabic church here or with a friend at work that is Muslim. Wow. There is no time when we cease to favor God's chosen people.
0: Amen. That's a great word. Right.
3: Our seventh waypoint, a fountain to the nations. This is about the Elam and the nations and the generations to come. Let's read Exodus fifteen twenty-seven. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And they were camped there near the water. The idea here is that it is not just one association. It is each man's personal waypoint and responsibility on our spiritual charter and path where we are going. That in some way our lives are supporting those springs and the going to the nation. See not everyone in here will end up at one of those specific nations. But every one of you are a part of a palm tree. And you have the ability to sacrificially work, strive wherever you're at in your place in life or location to support this vision of God on earth. Those 70 nations have to be reached and they will be reached in the name of Jesus. Your waypoint here is that that seventh and final area is that all the world. Israel, yes, and then the remaining Gentile nations as well would all receive what God has intended in the revival that we are looking for. Can we say L-C-M-N? L-C-M-N! Wear your waypoints on your
0: shoulders like principles or stars. Let's take a look at this last slide that we have. These are the concepts. These are the core principles. These are the waypoints that make us who we are. It was birthed in the heavens. It's been fought for here on the earth. And it's been presented to you here today. Amen. Look at how this works out. Under the concept of one life, you have your foundational principles and you becoming a full price disciple of God. One family, we have facilitating the shalom in your family function and a fiery faith that will in fact reach the generations. And then under one nation, we have a full gospel proclamation. We have the favor that we might see the salvation of Israel. And we have that we are to be a fountain to the nations. What an incredible thing that we've presented to you here today. What an incredible thing. This is a reflection of who God has made us as a church. If you are not moved by this today, then this is probably not your home and you should probably find somewhere else to be. I say that with no hindrances in my own heart. If this doesn't move you, then you're in the wrong place. We love you. We'll give you a hug. You can go now. Because this is the kind of church that from the very beginning God has proclaimed. He has letting us know the end from the beginning. He told us that these things would happen and we are now in a day where we can see it with our own eyes. We can entrust ourselves to the disciples that have become pastors. The disciples that will become apostles. The disciples that will go out and do works around the world. We can see it. We can put our hope and our trust in it. This is something that is so incredibly precious.
3: Now, I grew up inside of this ministry. My sons are growing up inside of this ministry right now. So will your children, and that is the aim, that is the goal, that they might be discipled and be equipped with these things. So we speak frankly as family, some of you love me dearly. Some of you really don't like me and rather not have to talk to me. But the thing that no one can deny is that I was here from the beginning. What it took to build this took blood, took sacrifice, took tears, gut-wrenching years, not minutes. And what we have built is beautiful. And at the same time, the blood of Jesus Christ is worth so much more than anything that we have suffered. We want to challenge you today. Our ministry is aiming so much higher than where we have gone. We are aiming to actually hit the 70 nations and hit the 12 palm trees. We're going to do it. And much like the message, rabble and remnant, we'll do it with somebody. We are calling for you to rise up, stand up, get on board, however you want to say it, with whatever homiletic you prefer. Something inside of you needs to rise. On the way back from Chicago, where we got to see Pastor Nick and Pastor Massey and the Israel family, which was an incredible blessing, got to listen to a recounting of my father seeing blood that came from me. It's hard to explain the difference between when you harm yourself and how a father sees it. And to be quite frank, I never fully understood it. But I have three of my own children sitting in front of me now. And there's only one that is my first born son. I love all of them deeply, but he's a little different. I want to ask you in this room, if Cody's sitting over here with a drug addiction and he's in jail and he's been this way as long as he can remember in his life. And I cut this little guy apart, this Titus, this Tito, he's my prince He may not be a prince to you, but to me he is. I carry him all over the world. I hold him in my arms, introduce him to pastors, to men who are apostles in their own right. Because he's my prince. If I cut him up in this room and put his blood on Cody's head to get him free of what has bound him. If I put it over here by Mandy and Sydney in this part of the road. How horrible would that be to watch? How much would you owe me, a man, if that's what brought you freedom? Would you be able to look at me if you, Cody ended up back in jail? For the very thing that he was freed from. Our king paid an exceptionally bloody cost that was not just for your salvation. It was for this to be built. So that the nations might be reached and it might come back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. If my son's blood would be a horrific sight to you, how can we treat his son's blood lightly? And I'm not talking about just being born again. We've got to grow beyond that. For the majority of people in the room, we're talking about what we do with our lives. This was paid for with men's blood. But how much more than what Christ was always aiming at, that his salvation might come around the entire world is actually within our grasp, within, a, within generations that could be seen, that That it's somehow close now. The kingdom has been soon so long. And yet we are poised to literally see areas in the Middle East that have not been touched for hundreds of years. Areas of Jerusalem that have been so dead and dry that the center of God's people is little more than a wasteland come to life. That the springs and churches that are supposed to be in the United States supporting this are on the edge of coming about. We can't live mediocre lives when we're made to be weapons for the kingdom of God. Men like Assad, like Nick, like Pat are made to move other men. They're made to lead men. If my son's blood were what freed you, would you be able to look at me and give it a full accounting and say, I came close? See, we have a waypoint here that is an opportunity to get on the bus stop. That we have been... Somewhere that formed where we are. Who we are today. But from here we are taking off and going further. And we are inviting you. Asking you to summon something inside of you. That wants to go further. That wants to add power to what we are doing. Because those visions that are being accomplished now. Are amazing. But that's somebody else's. That's another time. Another day. But right now you have the choice. Not to be a coward. And maybe even be turned into a hero. Very few times will you have the opportunity to be the man that is Elijah in the moment calling down fire. But you have the opportunity right now to put away whatever fear, whatever cowardice, whatever has kept you from living all out for Christ. Out the window and make good on the blood that was spilt for you. We are excited to do this with you. We believe that there are amazing things in store. That's why we're preaching about revival, preaching about the full gospel, asking God to move inside of us. Because we really are going to be a part of days where we look back and that gospel that our Savior who bled for is preached everywhere in the world. That we see revival in areas that have been lost for far too long. In our generation, in our children's children generation, we're going to see this fight won in a once and for all kind of way. And we get to decide where we stand in history. Will you be one of those who fought for it? Yes. I hope that no one in this room, no one in this room will let their opportunity pass themselves by. We're going to pray before you stand. I want you to think for a moment. How can I unite with my brothers and help the whole body push forward? We're not just looking for a repentant service today. I love you. We don't want to just cry at the altar. What we want is a renewed vigor, a renewed faith that says, man, we have come so far and yet we're going so much higher. Come on over here. JJ, can you help me? Stand to our feet.
0: Mighty God, we come before you right now. Lord, we hear your spirit saying all aboard to us. Lord, we hear the cry of this. Lord, may every man, may every woman in this room, Lord, run away from parallel sacrifices but run directly into unity with what you are doing here, with what you have built here. Lord, we want to constantly measure ourselves with the waypoints that you have given us that we might become what you are producing here in this place. Lord, not talking about it, not longing for it or wishing for it, but becoming what you have made this church to produce. Mighty men, mighty women of God who will propel others into the very kingdom. Lord, move it upon our hearts tonight. Move upon our hearts today in this place. Lord, that we might be one with what you are making this place to be. Lord, we don't want to leave anyone behind, but that demands that we respond to you wholeheartedly with no pollution within us. But Lord, that we will stand up and say we yield to you. Lord, we can trust in you. Lord, that no amount of fear, that no amount of derision would cause us to miss what you are doing here. Because we will take off. Lord, we will go further. We will accomplish what you put within us. Lord, now strengthen our hands today. Strengthen our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name.